America I grew up in. And if you're older, it's not the one that you've grown up in. I want that old America back, don't you? But the morality of the nation is being destroyed. And the women are, are, seems like the fundamental, um, what do you call it, point or whatever you call it, turning point in the nation. I don't care, pick a nation. And you'll, and you'll discover that. Now holiness is what I want to talk about today, habits of holy people. Now don't get messed up with that word holy, which we do, we say holy, oh man. <gasps> Can't be holy. That, that, that's a word we just don't like. And the world may use it in jest to call us holy rollers or whatever they want to kind of make it as a joke. But I want to talk about that this morning. And what we need to turn our nation around is holiness. And it starts in the lives of every believer. Now when something is dedicated and committed to God, God calls it holy. So when we're dedicated and committed to God, God considers us holy. So I'm holy this morning, and you're holy this morning. If you're a believer and dedicated to God, you're holy. So get used to calling and get used to, to letting that word sink into your mind. Because just thinking that you're holy will keep us from doing some things. Now Hebrews 10.10 says, by, by the which will be we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus, Christ once for all. Now, sanctified is from the word hagiotos, or something. I have a hard time with these words unless I play them about 10 times, 20 times before I... Hadziazo. okay. And it means to make holy, that is ceremonially purify or consecrate. Mentally, to venerate, Hallow, be holy, or sanctify. So don't get worried about that word because you can use that interchangeably with the word sanctified. See, that's what's good about doing study in the Bible instead of just reading it. Because if you go back and study it, you find out that words have several meanings, just like some of our words mean have several meanings. You got bear as the bear in the woods, and you got bear, bear naked. <laughs> We both, you know, you say that, but in the context of how it is used, we understand what the word is. And we can use these, these words interchangeably, uh, holy, sanctified. So don't get worried about that word. And we are separated and dedicated to God for his use. In 1989, Stephen R. Covey wrote a book that became a bestseller. His book offered people the tools needed to enjoy a powerful and effective life. His book taught the concept of that old behavior, behavior is learned, not instinctive. Old habits could be replaced by new effective habits. The book was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective or Holy People. Now, Covey stated, if you possess these habits, you would be defined as effective or holy. Now, I don't think this book would even be popular today, except maybe against, among some Christians who read a lot of Christian books, but in 1989, it was very popular. In 1889, it was a different world than what it is today. 1 Peter 5, excuse me, 1 Peter 1, 15 through 6, um, at verse 16. 
But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We are called to be holy, dedicated, sanctified, and committed to him. Now, if he called us to be holy, that means we can be holy. God wouldn't tell us to do something if we couldn't do it. That makes sense? Now, if you told your children to fly and they can't do it, that'd be an unfair request. But God isn't asking us to fly, and if he asked me to fly, he would provide the ability for me to do it. But God only asks us or commands us to do things we can do. And we need to understand that when we're reading his word. But I want to look at these uh, habits, the seven habits that he's talked about in his book. The first is they use scripture to direct their lives. Psalms 119.11 I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now God's word will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from his word. Now, God's word is powerful. We don't really realize how powerful God's word is. Remember, God's word spoke the whole universe into existence. And that same word lives within each one of us. Now, that should make us powerful. But we don't realize how powerful we are when God lives within us. His word is powerful. And it's alive. I don't want something dead living in me. Actually, the only thing I want dead living in me is my old, the old man, my old sin nature. I want that dead. But when we put God's word in our hearts and in our lives, it's powerful. And we need to understand that. And when his word is in, alive inside of us, we want to share it. It's hard not to share it. We walk around with pictures of our kids. And we talk about them, whether, whether people are interested or not, we still share baby pictures. Some people are interested, and others say, oh, big deal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we share them because they're important to us. We don't carry around pictures of, of dead people. Nobody's really interested in that. I know years ago, people used to take pictures of dead people in their coffins. And I always thought that was kind of a little gross. But to each their own. But God's word is alive and powerful. Now habit number two is holy people or believers pray daily. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Now this goes a step further. Not only praying daily, but it says pray without ceasing. Now how in the world can you pray without ceasing? Well, we think, when we think of prayer, we think of being in a certain position to pray. We stand, raise our hands to God and pray, or we may kneel and pray, or some of us even prostrate ourselves on the floor to pray. When we get that out of our mind and realize that God lives within us, that we can talk to him all day long. We don't need to be in this position in order to talk to him. Now, I've talk to God about things I run into, and I say, God, what in the world's going on here? I mean, some people think I'm crazy. Are you talking to yourself? No, I'm talking to God. Of course, sometimes you don't have to do it out loud. When we pray, it doesn't always have to be out loud. We can pray silently, and God hears it. God hears every thought in our mind and every word that we speak. 
and it's written down. Now that's scary. God's got a big eraser too. Because <laughs> every time we ask forgiveness for every thought that our thoughts and our words, they're gone. <laughs> now I'm thankful for that. Sometimes some of my thoughts aren't the purest. This last week I was very upset over uh, our leadership rejecting a plan before they even hear it about opening the government. And my thoughts weren't very nice. I wanted to pray David's prayer over them, over his enemies that he prayed. So, and that kind of irritated me. They should have at least discussed the plan and got together and whatever, but they didn't, so that really made me irritated. So I prayed for them. And I, of course, I prayed for them, Lord, to open, your, to open their hearts and their minds too. They wouldn't be a competition. It isn't a matter of working together. It's a matter of they hate our president. And they're not going to do anything to help him. And so we've, we're going to have a miserable next two years. We'll be lucky if anything gets done. So, but all the people that voted, that voted for that, that leadership, you're going to get what you deserve. And we have to live with it. And I'm not happy about that, but, well, that's not in here. That's just extra for free. But uh, <clears throat> now, if we never talk to our spouse except when we wanted something, we wouldn't have a very good relationship, would we? I mean, if there's just a person living in the house that we never talk to, we see, we don't even say good morning to or whatever. We wouldn't have a very good relationship with them. And I guarantee you that marriage wouldn't last. You know that communications is almost one or two or whatever on the list of reasons why marriages break up. Communication is very important. Now people say, oh, no, 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 sex is more important. Well, that's important in a marriage, but if you're not talking to each other, you're not going to be able to do anything else with each other. It's hard to be intimate with somebody you can't talk to. For those of you that aren't married, you'll learn. So we have to have a relationship with God because if communication with God we, is non-existent, we're going to have a divorce in our spiritual life because we're going to have that disconnect between us and God. We've got to have that communication flowing between us and God. And when God lives within us, it's kind of ridiculous to ignore him. When we realize that God is a real person living inside of us through his Holy Spirit, then we help. That helps us. If we're walking in a group of people or we're in a group of people, our friends or whatever, we talk to them. We don't ignore them or they won't be friends very long if they keep getting ignored. So we need to talk to God. But we complicate it so much. It's just like talking to a friend because God is our friend. He's our Savior, he's our Redeemer, he's our God. So we can talk to him just like I'm talking to you. It's easy. We just complicate it. Religion complicates everything. But God wants a relationship with us. He didn't want a religion, he wanted a relationship. That's why Jesus died. He didn't die just so we could attend, uh, attend a church, although that's very important. He died so he could have a relationship with us. Now think about that. 
He died because he wanted to have a relationship with each and every one of us. I mean, if the, if the president called us up on the phone and talked to us and asked our opinion about something, we'd be over the moon because we'd really feel important. Well, the king of the universe talks to us if we just listen. So we should be over the moon about that. Amen? Habit number three is holy people or believers are devoted to following Christ no matter what. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Now, many people desert Christ over that statement. See, this world doesn't like it, this verse, because they want to do it through this religion or that religion or whatever else. They don't like it that the only way to get to heaven is through Christ. Muslims want to get there through works. And most religions, that's all it is. Religions is a man's attempt to reach God. That's all it is. And man wants to reach God, but they want to reach him in his own way. And we can't. When we come, we have to come through Christ. Or we're not going to make it. Going through a church, I don't care what church you belong to, that isn't going to be any good to you when you're standing before God. He isn't going to ask you what church you went to. Let's see your attendance. All he cares about is if we've accepted Christ as, the, as our Savior. That's all he cares about. That's the only thing that's going to get us into heaven. John 6, 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give us eternal life. Only Jesus can give us eternal life. You know, there's been times, you know, I'd sit there and say, you know, I'm tired of it. I'm just going to go over here and do my own thing. But then I realized that God is the only way to eternal life. It isn't works. We can't do enough works to get into heaven. And if works could get us into heaven, then Jesus died for nothing. Doesn't matter what your works are. I mean, we do works. Because we want to, not because we have to. But works aren't going to get us into heaven. Habit number four is holy people or believers are guided by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Believers follow the Holy Spirit even though it goes against our plans. See, we've heard the statement, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. I mean, we have our own plans, and I'm not saying we shouldn't make plans, but we should run our plans by God. Say, God, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do that? I mean, there's some things we know is God's will. Being saved is one of them. Accepting Christ as our personal Savior is the number one thing. And then other things, we have to uh, have food, clothing, and things like that, so we have to work. And we have to have a way to get there and all these other kind of things that are involved in that. That's God's will. God's will, will isn't for us to sit, sit our, our behinds and watch TV all day and eat chocolates. Although chocolates are good. And there, we found out that chocolates are good for cough. So if you have a cough this morning, eat some chocolate because it works. Randy can t attest to that. So, But when we follow the Holy Spirit, our lives will be changed. 
our homes will be changed, our workplace will be changed, our churches will be changed, then our world will be changed. It's real easy. If everyone in here followed the Holy Spirit 100% every day for the next year, this community would be changed. Couldn't help be changed. And we'd find people coming up to us and, and we'd say, What's it, what have you got? Why isn't all this stuff and all this turmoil and that bothering you? I mean, in a way of being fearful. And we say, hey, I'm not afraid. God's in control. What do you mean God's in control? If he's in control, why does all this bad stuff happen? Bad stuff happens because we have free choice and free will. God doesn't like murders, murderers. Well, he likes the murderer, he doesn't like the sin. God didn't create that. We have a choice every day to live for God or not. And people have a choice to take someone else's life. God doesn't interfere with free will all the time. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he shut my mouth in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> you ever had that happen? You know, you'd be going somewhere with a thought and all of a sudden your mind goes blank. And we think, oh man, I'm losing my mind. No, that's just God shutting your mouth. So sometimes God needs to shut my mouth because sometimes I have diarrhea of the mouth. I shouldn't have said that up here, right? Sometimes I forget. See, I'm just like you. I'm no different than you. We all stand equal at the cross. I can't emphasize that enough. Habit number five, holy people or believers are accountable to God, his house, and his people. Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more, since you see that, see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being at McDonald's makes you a hamburger. We have to accept Christ as our personal Savior in order to become a Christian or a believer. I kind of don't like that word Christian because uh, so many people say I'm a Christian, but they have no evidence to back it up. So I like to say I'm a believer because that's a whole, whole different thing, being a believer. What do you believe in? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believing in him, that he raised from the dead, died on the cross for my sin. And he, he left, and he's coming again to get us. You know, we have that hope. That's what we believe. So I'm a believer in those things. And I'm a believer in this. Every, every word that's in this word, Bible, I believe. I may not like it, but I believe it. So when we realize that we can believe his word, because his word is never going to be wrong, I know that we run into a lot of people that see, think they found something wrong with the Bible, but when they research it out, if they wanted to, they'll find out, no, the Bible always is right, every single time. <clears throat> if we want our kids hanging around the right kind of people, bring them to church. The more you bring your kids to church, the more they will learn the right things to do. I don't care how old they are, I know we had our little great-granddaughter helping with the offering this morning, and, and it's cute, you know, having her on that. But she, it, it teaches her something. Doesn't matter how old we are, we can learn something. I want to learn something. The day we stop learning something is the day we need to die because we have no reason to be here other than you might serve God, but we learn something every day. 
if we're looking for it. We have to be looking for it. We have to be, have our radio tuned to God's voice if we want to hear him. We can't be listening to, what is that, rap? Full bore, yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Turned up full bore and expect to hear God's voice. Because our minds, our ears will be so tuned to what's being said on that that we can't hear God. So we need to turn God's voice up full blast and turn the volume of the world down so we can hear him. Now we need to be in church whenever the doors are open and find a place to get involved. Now companies have found out that if they offer uh, stock options in their employees' 401ks, that they become better employees because it puts money in their pocket in the way of stock. The profits go up, the stockholder share value goes up, dividends go up, and then they find out that employees don't steal as much from the company because they're stealing it from themselves. Now I know we have this saying, I rob Peter to pay Paul <laughs> when our bills get behind, but we need to be stockholders in the kingdom of God. And when you come to church and be a part of a congregation, you are a stockholder. And we need to be involved because the profit of this congregation in relationship to the world goes up when we become stockholders and we take possession of what belongs to him and we utilize it through us and we um, want to serve in his kingdom in some way. <clears throat> Habit number six is holy people or believers separate themselves from the world. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, this word for separate or holy, you can look it up. If you research the word, you can interchange holy in there. Separate or holy, saith the Lord. See, when you put it in those kind of words, separate, we understand. Holy, we kind of have this, mm, I'm not holy, I'm not holy, and we put ourselves down. So we need, that's why these other words are in there, and God knew that. So we are holy when we separate ourselves from the unclean things. We have to separate ourselves from ungodly people, movies, TV, and other entertainment. If we're on a diet, we don't hang out in the bakery. If you're an alcoholic, you don't hang out in the bar. Now, I noticed that a lot of times when we became a believer, we had a lot of different group of friends. But when we became believers, we didn't have to uh, separate ourselves from them. They separated themselves from us. (laughs) There's something about being a believer that some people don't like. All of a sudden, they say, hey, you're no fun no more. And our best friends used to say that when I first got uh, saved. They said, oh, man, ain't no fun no more. We can't do anything anymore. But one by one, as I stood my ground and lived my life, I didn't force God down their throats. They got saved. First it was the husband, then his wife, and then Randy. Randy was the last one. And then all of a sudden, we all had fun. And sure, we had a lot of fun back in, in, before we became believers, but we have more fun now. Of course, she's gone home to be with the Lord. 
And, uh, you know, we're kind of a little bit upset with her because she's there and we're not. That one day we'll all be there together and we'll all have more fun than we can even imagine. So, so we need to set ourselves apart from the world. And if you can't tell your life any different from the world, someone that lives in the world that isn't a believer, there's something wrong with our life. We need to have something in our life that proves we're a Christian. Could we be convicted of being a Christian? Is there not that much evidence? Because evidence is everything. So we need to separate ourselves from the world. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and not be conformed to this world, but ye be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the renewing of our mind is very important. We need to do that all the time, once a day, once an hour, whatever it needs to be. Because when we renew our mind, it's talking to God. It's reading his word. At the end of the day, when we've come out from the world and we brought the world home with us, we need a renewal of our mind to be able to get, get that stuff out of us. Because this world out there isn't a fun place to live in with everything that's going on. But when we renew our minds, Daily, hourly, or whatever it is, of course, when the Spirit lives within, within us, He's continually renewing our mind when we're listening to Him and, and tuned in to Him. We're renewing our mind, and then we can withstand the things that we need to be, and then we'll be effective in sharing the gospel. Because it is the perfect and acceptable will of God to, be, to renew our minds. The spirit of the world consists of selfishness and anti-holiness, anti-God. They hate God, they hate conservatives, because if, if we don't, if they're not believers, they have different uh, beliefs than they do, and they don't like it. They want them to, everyone to believe like them. And if they don't, see, the difference in a conservative and a liberal is that conservatives, if we don't want to think something's wrong, we don't do it. But if liberals think something's wrong, they don't want you to do it. And they use their power and authority to make sure that you don't. Bibles are out of school and prayers out of school because liberal theology forced it out. And conservatives didn't stand up enough at that time. Now, I was going to school at that time. I don't, in the 60s is when it happened. But they didn't stand up. They say, oh, no, this ain't going to happen. And that's when the, the start of the nation started going downhill. It started right then. And now patriotism is going out the door because we took the Pledge of Allegiance out of the school. Every morning we used to have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And every morning we used to pray. Y'all know what's the matter in this world? That's it. When we do the same, take the same things out of our homes, our home will deteriorate. You want you to build up your home? Pray, talk to each other. Be loyal to each other. I tell married people, if you have a problem with your husband you tell, or your wife, you tell God about it. Don't tell your friends. Because the more you talk about the bad things about your spouse, 
the more you'll grow a bitterness, a seed of bitterness will grow in your heart towards them. And pretty soon you'll start separating that, that intimacy that you had will start deteriorating. So if there's something to say, or you can come and talk to me about it, I'm okay with it. If you need somebody to talk to besides God, come and talk to me. There isn't nothing anybody could tell me I haven't probably heard. So I'm okay. It's okay to do that. Habit number seven. Holy people or believers serve the body out of thanks to God. Now, every one of us is gifted in some way or the other. Now, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that, talks about some of the gifts. Now, I'm not going to talk about that because I'll never get out of here, and I'll, and I'll break my New Year's resolution of not preaching for an hour. So I'm not going to do that. Another time I may go, I'll go into those, but right now I don't want to. If you want to know it, look it up. But there are more gifts than being a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher. There's a lot more gifts listed. Now, some have the gifts of hospitality, some are givers. Now, givers doesn't mean giving your tithes. When we give our tithes, that's what God asks us to give, specifically. That belongs to God. But there are people in this world that are givers, and they have the ability and the, the possessions or whatever it was in order to do that. Now, J.C. Penney, he built up a great uh, uh, money, a lot of money, and that. How did he do that? Well, first he started tithing. 10% come right off the top. And pretty soon he was giving 90% to God. And using it for charities and different things like that. He was a giver. He had a gift of giving and God gave him the ability to be a giver. Now, if you want to be a giver, ask God to make you be, let you be a giver. But if you can't even give your tithes, you, you're not going to get there. When we give God what belongs to him, he blesses the other 90%. Now, the government isn't as easy to get along with as God is. But we need to start living by his word. Because God can't, I mean, the church can't operate without people giving. I mean, that's the reality of life. You can't live in your house without working or having money coming in. You have to have income. So does the church in order to work. And some are helpers. Now, we have, have helpers. People have a gift of helping. You know, let me help you with that. Whether bringing in somebody's groceries or, or cleaning the church or uh, Dan does the communion every month or almost every month. Just little things that people can do. And some are prayer warriors. And those are the ones that I think God is going to give the greatest reward to. Because they're the ones that do it in secret. But they're gifted to do that. They say, how in the world could somebody pray for six hours a day? Well, if you have the gift of prayer, being a prayer warrior, it's just like you're praying for ten minutes to them. Of course, some of us have a hard time praying for ten minutes. But we don't have a problem yelling at the TV for ten minutes while you're watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yelled. I'm, I'm talking about myself. I yelled at the TV when I'm watching some programs. Yell so loud. Just like they can hear us, you know? But can't help us. <laughs> but we need to. <laughs> so I believe those are going to be the greatest uh, rewards that could be given to them. 
Now, God didn't give us gifts just to enjoy having, but to enjoy using them. See, I enjoy preaching. I love preaching, actually. On Sunday morning, there's no place I'd rather be than up here preaching. Now, in order to get here sometimes is a struggle because I just don't open my Bible and, you know, just spit out a sermon. I mean, if I had to, under a circumstance, God would give me one on the spur of the moment. But I prepare, and I start on Monday working on a sermon. I don't wait till the last minute because it seems if I wait till the last minute, then things happen at the last minute, and then I'm rushing to do things, and I don't like rushing. I like to working on it, working on it every, every, every day, you know, and just having it brew and simmer in my heart. And I'll tell you, yeah, Randy, I don't know how many times I change my sermons. I take out 10 pages of <laughs> notes. Aren't you glad? <laughs> so, but I enjoy doing it. And when you have a gift, you'll enjoy using it if you just use it. But how are you going to know you're going to enjoy using it if you don't use it? You say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Well, we can come and help you with that. Once you start doing the things we know you know to do, it's in this word, we have to read it, then God will speak to you about the things he wants you to do. And that's the way it works. God, it's kind of hard to push a car that isn't, that's turned off. And the and it's in park. It's awful hard to push it. I meant you can if you have enough people and muscles. But see, when we're a believer and we're trying to follow God, we're driving down the road and God's steering the car little by little. Sometimes we have to make a U-turn because we made a wrong decision and God has to make turn us around. But it's easier to, for God to work through us or, or talk, speak to us when we're thinking about him, concentrating on him. Now, God doesn't reward us according to our gifts. I'm not going to get a bigger gift for preaching than you are for what God has called you to do. Some of you are called to work and share your testimony at work. Uh, God does, though, judge us on whether we're doing what he's called us to do. That's what God rewards us for. Are we doing what he called us to do? Some people don't want to do what God called them to do. Say, I don't want to witness to that person. I don't like them. Well, if God's called you to witness to that person and you don't, then God isn't going to like it. <laughs> I mean, he can forgive you. That's just a simple example off the top of my head. But God is going to judge us and reward us on what we did with the gift he's given us. Not what someone else did, but what we've done. And when God can trust us with certain things, he'll give us more things to do. Our lives can, he is supposed to be filled with life, but not only life, but more abundantly. Do you have more abundantly life? If you don't, we need to start reading his word more, studying more, come to church, make sure you're here. I mean, I know there, there's things that happen and you can't be here all the time, and God understands that. But when you just don't want to come because you're just lazy, now that's a different scenario. And the thing is, the more we come to church, the stronger we get. When we're in God's house, the Holy Spirit is here. And he's, it's just like going to the gas station and filling up your car. Sure, you can put some gas in your car at home, 
but you put more gas in your car when you come to church. You come to Bible study. That's just the way it is. It's the way God works. <clears throat> but uh, holy people or believers want to serve God. They want to do stuff for him, not because they have to, because they want to. I do things for Randy not because I have to do them, not because he's going to get mad at me if I don't do them. I do them because I want to do them. I want to do things that's going to make him happy. That's natural because we have a relationship, and in that relationship, we do things for the people that you love. <clears throat> if God didn't expect us to be holy, he wouldn't have commanded us to be holy. Now, part of living a life of holiness is developing habits in our life. It takes 30 days to build a habit, start a habit. If you pray every morning for 30 days on the 31st day, it'll all of a sudden it'll just be just like natural. You'll get up and pray, just automatic, just like getting up and turning the, the pot on, coffee pot on, do you drink coffee? Just automatic things that you do in the morning. You get up, you brush your teeth, you know, you take whatever shake shower, whatever it is your regular routine is. It's habitual. You do it all the time. You don't even have to think about it. It's just automatic. Same thing happens with spiritual habits that we make. We get up, read God's word, excuse me, and pray. 30 days, it'll become a habit. And if we don't do it, we'll suddenly feel like something we missed. We're missing something. It's like leaving your cell phone home. Oh, no, I left my cell phone home. It's just, you know, you're just lost the whole day. Well, if you don't take God with you every day, you're lost the whole day. And it makes the day so hard to get through. <clears throat> God works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world wants to take people out of a slum... But the problem with that is that they take the slums with them. When they take them out of the slums, they bring it with them. All the people live California and move here, and they want to change our environment here, the environment like they left. That's ridiculous. Because pretty soon they'll end up just like the place they left and have to go somewhere else. Pretty soon we'll run out of places to go. But we're the ones that brought the slums there. But see, God's different. He works from the inside out. He takes the slums out of us. And then <laughs> we can move out of the slums, figuratively or spiritually. That's the way God works. And it's easier that way. The world wants to shape human behavior, but only Christ can change human behavior. Living a holy life can be accomplished if we adopt holy habits 